Here at the Can-Am Rugby Tournament 2022 with Old Glory DC star Mike Dabulis. No, no. Mike Dabulis. No, no, still wrong. Mike Dabulis. Correct. Next on MLR Weekly as presented by Rugby Wrap-Up, Toronto Arrows owner Bill Webb, LA 7's honcho and USA Rugby legend Dan Lyle, plus favorite moments from the Can-Am Rugby ah! Tournament. Hey everybody, and welcome back to this week's MLR Weekly as presented by Rugby Wrap-Up Matt McCarthy in New York City. And we have a big show this week. We have none other than Mr. Bill Webb, owner of the Toronto Arrows. We also have Dan Lyle, he of the LA Sevens. But before we get to them, we're going to take a quick look at what transpired at the Can-Am Rugby Tournament this past weekend. Wrap-up. My name's Brian. I play for the Bridgeport Doggies over 35 team. We almost beat the f out of the hyenas. However, this did happen. The hyenas. Secret to your success. Jeez.
cool stuff. And if you're going to talk Can-Am, which is Canada and America rugby, you got to talk to somebody that knows it probably better than anybody else on the planet. Mr. Bill Webb, owner of the Toronto Arrows, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be with you, Matt. We got that segue, right? Pretty sweet segue. Can-Am, Canada, rugby. Yep. Bill, you've had a whirlwind five years with the Toronto Arrows, getting them off the ground, getting them, you know, out and about. You're at home finally, but you're not resting. You 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 look. You got rugby all over there in Canada. We, yeah, we certainly do, and it's uh, nice to be playing at home again. Finally, we even did a year, you know season in Atlanta, so it's good to be playing back in front of our our fans this year. And lots going on. You know, the season's just wrapped up for MLR, um, but we've been very busy with our academy uh, Arrows Academy, playing a variety of matches against both domestic and foreign touring teams. And we're now busy in the middle of the Canadian rugby championships for the all the U19 regional teams from all over Canada. So we're doing a lot of scouting and have uh, five of our staff out there, you know, meeting with players and their coaches. And, uh, you know, we are, we, we are an all Canadian team. It's not just about Toronto, it's, but it's about developing. And it's great to see, you know, the lockdown was pretty severe here in Canada. So it's great to see not only club rugby again and arrows rugby, academy rugby but youth rugby and our uh, representative you know provincial and regional sides it's it's fantastic to see these boys playing again and canada has the same problems that the united states does in just geography the immense size of it right and you know people overseas they don't often get it they're like well why doesn't rugby canada or or canada and why doesn't usa rugby or the usa why don't they just do what we do here in england or in scotland or in new zealand australia canada and the united states geographically speaking, have their challenges. Yeah, huge challenges. And I'd say they're even tougher in, you know, in Canada because it's not just geography. We have a very small population. You know, we've got one ninth the population of the USA and our players are scattered all over the country. You know, there's a, a significant, you know, significant proportions in Atlantic Canada, you know, on the East Coast, Ontario, Quebec, and then you go all the way out West to British Columbia. And it's hard to pull players together, both at the professional level and, uh, you know, even for our academies, even here in the province of Ontario, it's it's a massive province. And for our academy, we've got three different sites just to and in the province of Quebec as well, and growing numbers of academies just so that we can accommodate the the big spaces between regions. When we have a game, an academy game, I usually get five or six guys of our academy players who drive in from Quebec and Ottawa, staying in my house to, <laughs> to put them up. Like it's they're they're coming from long distances, but it shows the commitment and. We are getting, as a, as a country, we are slowly getting our act together, I think, in terms of how we work together. You know, the provincial unions, the arrows, the national body, how we're you know, identifying talent, communicating via Zoom and, and you know, it, it coming out of COVID. I think at least we've learned a lot of lessons about how to use technology intelligently. But nothing beats getting guys together to, to to practice and to play games at the end of the day. And, you know, the other reality is that this, that's a travel build afoot. You're not going to drive from Vancouver or British Columbia over to Ontario. You're not going to do it for – they've got to fly. There's no way around it. Sure, yeah. And, and and as we all know, you know, air flights travel – air travel has gone up considerably in price due to fuel prices going up. And I guess that's why we need to get a Canadian airline sponsor. It's something we're working on. While we're talking about travel – for the arrows, 
you have been the road warriors. You have taken it for, for the t- team, so to speak, over and over and over again. But is it unrealistic to expect you guys to be there at the end after all that travel in the front? Uh, yes. And we've, we've, you know, we've got some data to prove that. I mean, I thought you were on my side on this, Bill. So 2000, no, sir, there's no excuse. We don't, we don't, you know, we don't make excuses and we're willing to take the, you know, the hard lumps. We, we spent a whole year in uh, you know, Atlanta. That was not fun. Believe no. me, and that didn't play well. And it was, but 2019, our first year in the league, same schedule. We went to the semifinals in our first year. Year two, 2020, uh, we were first top of our conference, uh, all games on the road when the season came to a halt in March due to COVID. Atlanta was an outlier. We, we really took one for the team and for Canadian rugby in that case. And, you know, I, I, I owe a lot of girlfriends and wives. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of gifts for many years, but, but this past year, you know, we were eight and eight um, disappointing season, but part of that, you know, is a rebuild really coming out of the Atlanta uh, stuff. And, and the games that we lost at home at the end weren't because of travel or anything like that. It was, you know, more playing mistakes and, and a lot of injuries, a lot of injuries, a lot, lot, lot of injuries, but look at the end of the day, you know, the way I sort of sum it up, it was a mediocre season performance wise, but we know what our potential was even in that last year, we were one and one against New York who ultimately won the championship We beat them at home. They beat us at home here in Toronto. We beat New England who had the best record in the league. And look, so this, the parody in the upper half of this league in both conferences is very tight and it comes down to, it's a game of inches and a game of, you know, mental discipline. And so, we're not. We're never going to make excuses about this about the schedule. Um, it, it, there's lots of reasons, and we can talk more about it. About trying to avoid the Reg Nine window. You know, yes, you can get bad weather in Austin or or Dallas, but that that's that's freaky weather up here in Toronto. We cannot play outdoors in February, March, and like early, even take your chances in early April. There until we get that covered dome built. One of these days, it's just impossible to to, to play up here um, safely. Well, you've, you've played in blizzards in Utah and Colorado in your history. And I was like, why can't you play in a blizzard in Toronto? Because I went to the University of Buffalo. We had pretty similar weather. We we never missed a game. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody wants to schedule games into that. If if it if it comes to that, so, so be it. But I mean, you know that Toronto was going to have the worst weather, like empirically, we're going to have the worst weather of any team in the MLR in February and March. And, and I know there's global warming and everything, but if you like, we can, we could take a photograph and show it to people every week, February, March, there's snow on the yeah. ground yeah. And, and it's peak of our winter. So, you know, but we're working through it as a league. It's not ideal, but we'll, if we need to travel on the road for the first seven or eight matches or, or schedule as we did this year, schedule a match out in, British Columbia, which helped grow our brand, and that was a home game for us, will be will be creative. If anything, the league ought to be bending over backwards to accommodate you guys after the Atlanta thing. Uh, living in Atlanta for a season, the people not understanding that no, the guys couldn't fly home on the weekend, the girlfriends and wives and kids couldn't fly down, you know, the whole quarantine thing at the border. Dogs, cats. It'll all be part of the movie someday. And at least some guys would say they got to be away from their mother-in-law. So, you know, that was. <laughs> That's after the divorce, right? Not pre-divorce. Right. Let's take a quick break, Bill. And we'll come right back. And I got some real tough questions to nail you to the wall with. Ready. Looking for your next vehicle? With She's Easy Search, choose from over 3,000 new and used vehicles. Shop, trade, or buy online or in store. We make it easy with our award-winning service. It's easy at She's. 
If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig and Whistle, on West 36th Street. And we are back with Mr. Bill Webb, owner of the Toronto Arrows. Bill, we all watch Chile beat our respective nations in competition for the World Cup. You guys are eliminated. We're teetering on the edge. Chile's team, as we would say it here in, in the United States. Their match day roster was 19 guys played for Selknam in the SLAR, Major League Rugby's version in South America. Those guys play all the time with each other for Chile, and they play in the league. And, and I'm wondering, is that kind of what you you guys are looking at now are you looking more in line with some synergy more synergy with rugby canada or what's the what's the philosophy of the arrows in terms of roster well, the philosophy since the beginning is that we are here to grow to win mlr championships to be a world-class sports and entertainment uh, enterprise and to develop canadian talent and and to qualify and do as well as we can in our international competition we've always emphasized having 75 to 80 percent plus players on our long roster being canadian eligible chile's success was uh, accomplished over it's a brilliant strategy um, they've done this over a four-year period it didn't take a decade it's about taking the resources you have and making sure that you align them between the national body and your and your professional team and the slr was the best thing that ever happened to you know to chilean chilean rugby and they've got a brilliant coach pablo Lemoyne, and it's about developing team cohesion in the MLR, and I'm not particularly a fan of this, but our, our players are deemed domestic. So 30-some-odd Canadian-eligible players play for the Arrows. There's been a similar number that have gone south to, you know, to, to U.S. teams in MLR. The total number of players, American players, that have come to play from the United States to play for the Arrows is zero. We cannot control where players play, nor can Rugby Canada. The difference in Chile is they're competing in a league that's much smaller. You know, only six teams in the SLR. Right. It's a large country as well, but most of the players are located in one geographic region. I, I really hope the United States qualifies in the repechage. We've been there before in Canada and we did it. Would you want another MLR team in Canada? I'm not convinced yet that there is enough talent, player depth in this country to support it. From a practical standpoint, yeah, I'd love to see more Canadian teams. They have to make a significant investment, both from an expansion fee um, and, right. and all the infrastructure and people that are required. It's a heavy lift. We need to grow the, the depth of the player base. And that starts right down as young as age 15 and 16. It's why we're investing so much in our junior academy, our senior academies that have three locations, working closely with uh, rugby Canada, the Pacific Pride, and showing up at things like the Canadian Rugby Championship because the depth chart is very shallow of people who are actually really ready to play MLR. You know, I think it was a good thing actually in hindsight that that you know Canada went through this experience of missing a World Cup because now it, it really focuses everybody on growing that ecosystem and player pool. Hopefully, the United States doesn't miss in the repechage, but I think the message has been sent that that yeah. it's really important to grow that player pool and a step find a way. To, to make sure that the national team, the training group can get together for significant periods of time, play meaningful games, whether that's against Canada or, you know, others to make sure that they're ready for the, that repechage and for the world cup to come. Final question. You know what I'm going to ask? Starts with a G. <laughs> <laughs> what can you tell us about the Los Angeles Giltini and Austin Gilgroni situation? We all seen the news. Okay, not not unexpectedly. I, I, there's nothing I can really say. We're working closely with uh, 
you know, with those folks and, the, and, and working to come to a, you know, a, a solution that works for everybody. So it's, it's actually you know, quite cooperative and we're doing our best to resolve that situation in everybody's best interest as quickly as possible. But, you know, nothing's done till it's done. So we all got to be patient and sensible and do what's in everybody's best collective interest. How many teams are in the league next year? Uh, could be, I mean, if you say, what's my, what's my most probable case? And I, I'm not a betting man, but I'm an investing man. And I say it's, uh, I think we'll probably be at 13. Mr. Bill Webb of the Toronto Arrows, thank you. Thanks, Matt. It's been great. And we'll see you around soon. Dan Lyle, after this. Been blind since I was four. And I've never seen a beer commercial or a beer label. None of that stuff influences me. I drink beer because of the taste. And my beer is Pabst Blue Ribbon. It has the taste and the flavor. What do you think is on the label? I think there's a, a naked woman riding on a unicorn, jumping over fire. Oh, that's good beer. Ladies and gentlemen, I have the privilege and honor of welcoming Mr. Dan Lyle. Dan, of course, the original Captain America, reinvented restarts overseas in England and is now with AEG Rugby and the darling and the face of the LA Sevens, who I can't wait to see, Dan. It's going to be so great. How are you? Yeah, looking forward to having you out there, Matt, to your lyrical, you know, chords, uh, you know, Pumping out over the stadium. So, going to be yeah. singing this year, folks. I'm not going to be doing anything else. Show tunes, a lot of show tunes. But, Dan, seriously, LA Sevens finally back after, you know, the COVID, the Omicron, the everything else. And it's a little bit different because it's in August, right? It's a little bit, it's a little bit later. But why don't you walk us through what's going on? Yeah, we're normally uh, end of February, beginning of March. Sometime in December when uh, the Omicron wave was uh, smacking everybody, um, we in Vancouver decided to postpone. There were only two windows. One was April. Um, so Vancouver chose that one. Um, you know, had a, had a decent event, but it was, you know, it's, it's, you know, all the events this year have been really difficult. Um, and we only had the August event that we could choose, you know, after the Commonwealth Games, which just happened this weekend. There was some European qualifiers and other qualifiers for the Rugby World Cup, which is two weeks after our event, uh, you know, I think the 9th and 10th of September down in Cape Town. So a very small window, you know, not the perfect window in American rugby uh, and American sports, right, but nothing ever is. Um, so we're, we're excited uh, because we get to crown two champions. And those two champions are? Well, the LA Sevens, and it's the final event on the men's series this year. So the series champion, uh, statistically, South Africa are leading the bunch, but uh, Argentina, Fiji, Australia, all mathematically in it. Of course, the U.S. is fifth or sixth, so have the ability to get in the top three. So we have an award ceremony uh, the end of the season. So the series champion, the DHL player, the HSBC player, the Dream Team, all those big awards uh, go on. So about 500 people in the 
who's who of world rugby, the chairman, CEO, all those people will be in LA uh, for a big banquet on Sunday night. Can you confirm or deny that David Hasselhoff will be returning for his cameo in stadium? I'm told the Hoff is uh, hot for LA this year. And you uh, would not be surprised if you see uh, even more uh, celebrities and, uh, course the uh, 70s i'm not ready for it i don't know if i can take it i don't know if i can take it yeah you might have to interview one or two of them so you you you're getting your fainting uh, hat on so (laughs) what's great we were talking off camera is all of it's going to be at the venue yeah it's all at the venue this year so look we've we've brought the invitational tournament that we held off-site uh all on-site so saturday and sunday therefore we have in-out privileges so the entire campus you know, I don't know if many people know, but 125 acre campus, 11 fields, lots of different accoutrements. So we've extended the festival outside, brought the tournament uh, on Saturday and Sunday there, you know, added some elements, some musical, some cultural elements to the to the festival and, uh, you know, adding participation. We're also tag teaming off of that event to our normal time slot, February 25th, 26th, where we're seeing just record numbers of people you know and invitational teams wanting to come lots of different elements there so we'll go on sale for that event right right uh, as you know probably in that weekend so you'll be able to if you're not there you know uh, tune in to nbc or tune in to we're going to have a new social media app um for the event so uh, tune into that download that and get your tickets for february which is in our traditional time slot so just to clarify for those of you that are out there and scratching your heads, it's because it's going to be only five months apart, but it's because the first one got pushed back from February or earlier in the year. That's this year's. And then next year's will be a new one or the, the traditionally scheduled one. But Dan, there's a revamping or something going on. Uh... Yeah, that's right. Uh, the rumors are that uh, after next season, which you know starts uh, again with uh, – well, it's kind of a weird that they've got uh, Hong Kong in November this year. Um, and and that's kicking Dubai. off the next season, right? Yeah, uh, Dubai. And then they, they're actually having two Hong Kongs this year. But anyway, at the end of 23, which is May, June of 23, that, that's the end of the four-year cycle for the HSBC World 7 Series. And so they would naturally reboot the series, look at the stops, do all those things. So they're really taking a really hard look at the series and, you know, the, the 10 men stops, three specific women stops. And a lot of the 10 men stops also are combined women stops. So these 13 stops trying to aggregate that, bringing them down, combining the men's and women's to equal numbers of teams in, in the stops. So a lot of work is going in right now to add value, add entertainment, really look out for the next, couple of months you'll really see that morphing and i think what that what below that's going to look like is a challenger series and then regional tournament so you'll have a really really good pathway internationally for not just the top 12 teams but for the top 50 60 teams in the world to be able to really you know see their pathway so like a promotion relegation ongoing during the entire event (laughs) absolutely And, and yeah, those regional tournaments are really like continental regional tournaments, you know, the European championships, the African championships, and then have regional 
you know, challenger series above those and then have a promotion relegation, as many as three or four teams going up each year, wow. which will be really entertaining and, and making each of the stops almost compartmentalized and a real, you know, entertainment product, really trying to go after the next generation of rugby fans, the entertainment seeker, bring that demographic, that age group. And I like the con- the consolidation of the men's and the women because it just makes it more of an event, more of a party, yeah, you can do all that stuff. Dan, let's talk Rugby World Cup 7s. Great tournament because you you see you see teams that you don't see very much. It's it's a bit of a single elimination tournament of those, those that don't know it's in Cape Town. You know, then I think it's the ninth and 10th and my, my, my dates might be wrong. I'm doing it for NBC, so You better get the dates right if you're doing it for NBC. Getting it right, but it's it's much like San Francisco where they debuted that almost single elimination. You got to win all your games to go through, type stuff. So um, really hard on the players uh, because of that, but it ultimately grounds the true champion. This event, I think it's going to be fantastic. I think people are just so ready for more rugby again after being shackled for different reasons that they're going to enjoy this event, and it's a great reason to go. Yeah, absolutely. It's our only home soil signature, you know, event that's played with high profile teams, high energy, all the accoutrements you want, you know, all the things that you want in rugby. Prices are lower. All all the value is there for for everybody, you know, from young to old, family tickets, you know, group tickets, all, all everything in between. And I think moving forward, we have the opportunity to align our sevens event into the an American rugby calendar that makes all the sense in the world seasonally, as well as for that commerciality side of things. The future is bright for this product and for Sevens in America, you know, because we have a lot of uh, runway. Well, I'm, I'm ready. I'm raring. I, I can't wait to get my new LA Seven shirt. Final thoughts before we let you go. Uh, thanks, Matt, for having us on. Pleasure to let everybody know that we're, Coming back, rugby's back, rugby sevens is back in LA. We have got great teams. They're developing and uh, bring a friend or bring a few hundred friends. Spoiler alert, you, Steve Lewis and I will be in a musical version of Oklahoma in that fan fest. So that's something for people to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I won't, I won't uh, imagine uh, who's going to wear the bonnets and who's going to wear the spurs, but... Uh, we don't want to give everything away just now. Just let them stew on that. Mr. Dan Lyle, the original Captain America, rugby hero, great American. Thank you, sir. Cheers, man. Thanks. And, of course, thank you for tuning in. And until we see each other again, please check out our other shows, including The Rugby Odds, The College Rugby Wrap-Up. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. And please, please, please join our American Red Cross Blood donor team.